Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chief Executive Officer of Honda Motor Company, Takanobu Ito. Domo arigato. Konnichiwa. It is with great pleasure that I announce Honda is to launch brand new successor to esteemed NSX Supercar. Original NSX developed by Ayrton Senna. New NSX developed by Bruno Senna. Performance will be extremely average. Hello and welcome to Points of View. I'm one of those BBC presenters who presented Points of View all those years ago. Either that or this is Gareth Jones on Speed and I'm Gareth Jones. He's Richard. Hello. And he's Zog. Hello. I say Points of View because... Barry Took. Well, did he? Wire, wire, wire. Barry Took on speed. speed. Yeah. Barry Took. I did Points Bar- of View and then you it did? was... Yeah. Anne Robinson. Anne Robinson it was, yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was yeah. broken, and if you're listening abroad, you'll have no idea what we're talking about. In fact, if you're listening under the age of 40, you'll have no idea. It's still on points of view. Is it? Logan does it now, yeah. Is he still? Well, uh, last I checked, but I haven't checked recently. I thought he'd been dead for ten years, despite the fact he's still broadcasting. No! Oh, I thought he was broadcasting. He's, he's immortal, road. surely, Terry Wogan. Oh, and so we're off to a bonkers start. Him. He's a lovely man. So I say... Point- <laughs> You said that in the style of Wogan, though. I might do the rest of the show. Going very, very high, and then down very low. All right. Tell me to old tell. I will read this then in the style of old tell. I probably wouldn't. Uh, Again, people abroad going, what the ruddy noise are you going on about? (laughs) In fact, I won't read this yet, because we're responding to a tweet. We thought we'd do a sort of point of view thing where we respond to your communications. And we had a tweet a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. James Caldwell, yeah, dropped us a line to say... What, Caldwell? Let me just... Caldwellmeister. That's the Rooney. Let me get it right up here on the... The electronic device of joy. LL Caldwell. So speedsters says Mr Caldwell that's right uh, does the grip of road car tyres improve as they warm up like racing car tyres does the Good grip question. of road cars tyres improve as the temperature increases just like race tyres and I got back to him uh, pretty quickly saying well yeah oh, yeah they must do yeah. you know, it's going to be the same kind of chemistry same kind of physics yeah, yeah basically, the only yes, difference is they can't the build up as much heat as a racing car tyre because the extremes of exactly. uh, G and uh, not G but you know the, the, the cornering forces the lateral forces causing the rubber blocks to move around yeah. the rubber itself to warm up uh, aren't as much as they would be if you were driving even a road car on a racetrack but it's that lateral load absolutely um, was that right yeah it oh, was I was just winning yeah. that one so yeah, it, I'm sure the lateral load is one of the biggest factors but then also but if you're driving a racing car you're basically putting as much load as you can through the tyre almost all mm. the time you're accelerating as hard as you can you're braking as hard as you can yes. you're cornering as fast as you can if you're doing that on the road you're not going to last very long yeah. so no. uh, Get the it's completely moving. different That's the main thing. Yeah. we spend but most of our time on the road going in more or less straight lines and when we go around yeah. corners they're fairly gentle corners or we slow down oh, yeah, so, but so even going in a straight line the friction of just the rubber on the road would surely generate it, a bit of heat it, it, it does, does generate and, a bit of heat yes yeah and I was actually able to test this because oddly enough by Total coincidence, about a week after he dropped this line, we had this little conversation, and we'll get on to the winter versus summer tyres thing in a minute. About a week after he dropped this line, I happened to install a tyre pressure monitor system on my car, mm. and as well as monitoring the tyre pressure, it monitors the temperature. No. And so you can see what temperature your tyres are at as you're 
driving around, and I was able to check on a little on a little run up from northwest London to Potter's Bar. You know, just a little bit of dual carriageway, couple of roundabouts, bit of A1. The tyre temperature went up from about fourteen degrees centigrade to about twenty nine degrees centigrade. So you, you mean know, fourteen Celsius? That's how you're supposed to give it out, apparently. You just say 14 it? Celsius, yeah. You can, well, say rather centigrade. you can say degree centigrade, but the correct mm. way, apparently, is just to say 14 Celsius. Don't mention degrees and say Celsius rather than centigrade. But it's, is it degree centigrade? Well, okay, well, um, you can say well, degree centigrade. We're going yeah. to look yeah. this up because yeah. I think I'm not going to accept that correction. Could we please get back to talking about okay. <laughs> So a rise of 15 degrees. Four that, that's officially that's, interesting. That's, that's, you know, it's a, it's a, sli- it's a slight one, rise of temperature. in temperature. No, it hasn't, because... Oh. Yeah, sorry. But no, like no, 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 if you're going to say that... Well, no, because that's relative to zero Celsius or zero degrees centigrade. That's not an absolute temperature scale. The absolute uh, temperature scale is the one that runs from absolute zero... Kelvin. Which is minus 273. Yep, Kelvin, as you say. And in Kelvin, it would be... It would have been 287 Kelvin and 302 Kelvin. So that's not a very significant difference. It's about 10% or something. Mm, and Kelvin's. Um, and Kev- Kelvin's, not Kelvin's. Kevin's. So it's not a doubling of temperature. It's going to be enough to make a difference, I'm sure. Mm. But the interesting question is, is and I don't know got? how... Um, so far, give or take a couple of degrees. I think I've seen them get up to sort of 31, 32 degrees. What I want to do is take the car out on a track day. Mm. I want to see how hot they get on a track day. Yes. That'll be interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, road tyres on a track day, how hot will they get? We know that when they put racing tyres on an F1 car, they're going on about what, about 100 degrees centigrade, aren't they? Yeah. 100 Celsius. So quite a lot hotter. And race tyres are designed to work in that kind of much more elevated temperature, whether it's 100 or whether it's 50 Celsius, it's a fair whack higher than we're talking about for these slightly worked road tyres. I don't know how much difference that's going to make to grip. I would guess it's going to make a difference, but Mm. not all that much, because you're going to design a road tyre so that it's going to work as well as possible across Across a a broad range of temperatures. As an aside, a tyre manufacturer offered to make some slicks for a road car for us at Top Gear, but with the proviso that the sheer amount of grip they would develop, obviously just on a track, because they're illegal on the road, the sheer amount of grip may, in fact, just shear the wheels off the hubs. Oh, really? Yeah, or cause some other catastrophic suspension failure, because a road car isn't really designed to take that amount of loading in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, we haven't done it, actually, because we couldn't really see the points. Don't put slicks on a Kia Rio or something. But you did some proper research on this, didn't you? Well... You you actually called somebody, or you... Yeah, I'm not as confident in my science as a lot of people think I might be. So I thought I'd talk to people who know about tyres, Michelin, because they do know about tyres. Because I have a relationship with Michelin. I've been to Clermont-Ferrand, their factory, where they make tyres and actually built a tyre there for a De Chaveau, which you'd like. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, I, I love that. The X, they were the tyres of the De Chaveau. Is that what they yeah, were? Yeah, they were yeah. called the, the X. I don't know why. Also, an engineer once told me that, I know it sounds ridiculous, but of all the tyre manufacturers, Michelin make the roundest tyres. <laughs> no, I know it sounds daft, but the, the tires most are never precisely perfect. round. Yes, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're always slightly imperfect. Right? Michelin get the closest to a perfect. If story. you want to see me making a tire and find out more stuff about tires, you can go to my website, garethjones.tv, go to the gallery section, go to video, and somewhere in the video section there's a thing of me talking about tires on an ITV show called Speed Sunday. Anyway, so I spoke to Paul Cordell, who's the PR manager for Michelin UK, and we said, you know, do road tires increasing grip over temperature increase on the road in the UK? And he said this, further to your call, yes, 
Although he didn't say it in that voice. No, he didn't. This isn't point of view. Yeah, further to your call, yes, road tyres do offer more grip as they heat up. Obviously not to the same levels as race tyres, Richard, but it's the same idea. The problem comes in winter conditions, hence the need for cold weather tyres. Well, and we basically just said all that, so frankly, so Cordley, you've wasted all our time. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Baha, I speak for the whole of the Proton Directors when I say we are delighted to offer you a new four-year contract as a chief executive of Lotus. Please, uh, tell us about your latest plans for the company. Thank you, guys. Most trousers. My plans for Lotus are simple. Uh, we will establish a strawberry plantation on the Sea of Tranquility. Uh-huh. We will extract milk from wasps. Yes. We aim to find a way to use espadrilles as a hat. Mm-hmm. And I will personally release Agadu uh-huh. in nine different languages. Oh, very good, yes. Mm. Also, I want Lotus to win the Formula One World Championship within three years. And well, now you're just being silly. Horses, bra. Woo! I remember a few years ago, not last year or the year before, where we had some pretty epic snowy weather. It was pretty icy. And I had my little Suzuki cappuccino. Mm. And I took a trip down the road I live on here. It's sort of boomerang shaped, right? So I got to the apex of the corner turned in and my little rear-wheel drive, three-cylinder, turbocharged, lightweight, was it 600 kilos? It's very light, Mm. very light. And the front wheels turned, nothing else did. And I Mm. just very, very carefully, very slowly just rolled forward and stopped about a micron from the back of a Nissan Bluebird or something. It literally, there was nothing I was going to do about this. Temperature gently and slowly. Oh, driving in snowy conditions is... Rubbish! Um, I almost certainly had the wrong tyres on, but also had a rear-wheel drive car, which is not so good in snow. You want front-wheel drive, really, don't you, in the snow? You want four-wheel drive in the snow. Well, Yeah, ah. probably. But, no, but, mm. but ah. more... Yeah. Actually, yeah. You, you know that theory of mine, don't you? Go on. No. Well, you, you know this. There, there are more 4 by. I've said this on the show before, but not for years. There are more 4 by 4s dented in snowy conditions than two-wheel drive cars. Because people go out on four-by-fours, they put the grip down, they accelerate, and when it comes to braking, they're in exactly the same position as every other car, except that they're going twice as fast and they're in a vehicle that's twice as heavy. They have more chance of an accident. Yeah, but if you've got more grip when you're accelerating, you've also got more grip when you're braking, because it's, you know, that's... No, so, yeah, no, no, well, you've got no, more grip you... in the accelerator because you're accelerating through four wheels. But when you're braking, you're still braking through four wheels like any other car. So you can accelerate better than a two-wheel drive car, but you cannot brake better than a two-wheel uh, drive Sorry, yes, car. you're right. You know, I was thinking of the basic sort of interaction between the tyres mm-hmm. and the road surface. As we were saying before, we were getting onto this subject of winter versus summer tyres, and it does make a real difference. I've got to be honest, I've never put winter tyres on my car, but the more I hear about it, the more I think, yes, you know, maybe I should be thinking about doing that, because you yeah. know, there are several countries in Europe including maybe Germany and some of the Scandinavian countries, where from November onwards, if you don't have winter tyres yeah. in your car, an insurance company won't pay out if you have a... Have yeah, actually, no, it's, I think it's the law. You can get done for because it's considered irresponsible you're driving a car that's not fully under control in places where they have a lot of snow. And you do go to these places and you'll see 
quite top line BMWs, Audis, and things that would normally come on some nice alloys. And in the winter, they're running around on steelies because because that's what they've wheels. got their winter tyres on. And this is the yeah. and last this Christmas, is, this has become the trend, hasn't it? Yeah. Whereby you swap your wheels. Yeah, yeah. But so you don't you don't go to the faff of having the tyres taken off your rims and new tyres put on. Yeah. You just have another set of wheels. Because yeah. I did have this graphic demonstration of how good winter tyres are last Christmas. Borrowed this Aston Rapide that I think I mentioned on the show. The orange yeah. one? Uh, no, that was the V12 Vantage. The, oh, the Rapide yes, yeah. was sort of light green, and it's, it's a nice car. It's the second best car Aston make, because <laughs> the V12 Vantage turns out to <laughs> be the best. That's a selling line, the uh, second best the second car best. And, yeah, it came with good tyres on it. We had a pretty foul winter, and I was staggered at how unstoppable that car was. It's preposterous. Yeah. And it was brought home to me, and this thing about four-wheel drive as well, in a motorway service area. And the car park was on a bit of a slope, one of those ones on the M40. It's... It got a bit icy and slushy, and it was horrible, and people were slithering all over the place. I was thinking, there's going to be an accident here at a stupidly low speed, but please not into this borrowed Aston Martin. That would be very embarrassing. So to escape the snafu, I headed over the caravan parking area, which was deserted but also covered in snow. And I knew at this point, because I'd been driving it enough, that it was incredibly good in those conditions. And sure enough, just take it easy. Traction control light didn't even come on. Chap in a Subaru Legacy Outback, four-wheel drive, on the wrong tyres. But presumably on summer tyres, came into the caravan area just ahead of me, also to avoid people slithering into each other. And then I saw all four wheels on his car spinning. Mm. And I thought, hang on a minute, I'm not even troubling the traction control light, but that's how good the winter tyres were. It's nothing to do with the car per se. It's the winter tyres. They're amazing. Mm. Can I just explain the principle on which snow tyres work? I think it's a good moment. I'm sure you two know this, but I discovered this fairly recently. Snow tyres work on the principle that snow sticks to snow better than rubber sticks to snow. And so winter tyres are designed to retain clumps of snow in the grooves. The grooves are wider and they retain the snow. There's more space to kind of get snow packed into them. And so you get a rim of snow adhered to your tyre, jammed to the tyre, and that snow then sticks to the snow on the ground because it generates heat and it melts up so slightly and it sticks to it. But they're all good on ice. Is there not also a compound? There's compounds, yes. It's the fact that they retain the snow. No, but they work on ice as well. They work much better on ice. And that's because, as I understand it, what are they called? They're blocks of rubber called on... Tread blocks? D- blocks? Yeah, tread blocks. But then yeah. there's also, what are they? Sipes. Sipes. Aren't they called sipes? The oh, channels mm. that, that channel oh, water away on? No, no, very good. I think no, it's called sipes. So we did a thing. I'm glad we researched this properly before. I know. Never knowingly over researched. I did a thing on Twitter a while ago, and collectively a few of us decided that those little hairs you get on tyres, which I think are you know, where they've come out of the mould, mm. but we decided they're called penubes. Which works better written down on reflection. But the other thing is, the sipes and the tread blocks are designed so that the contact patch with the weight of the car on it the pressure downwards causes them to open up a little bit and then there's a sort of suckering action which probably does also mm. gather up the snow but it's designed to sort of just nip into the ice and sucker the tyre on I mean obviously by it's being happening softer, thousands of times by being yeah I think bigger bungee intuitively that you've basically got a compound that's softer at that lower temperature yeah um, that helps I think it's the compound um, as well perhaps we shouldn't have been so rude about Paul Cordell the PR manager for Michelin because <laughs> we could get him back now yeah. but we've burned our bridges haven't we um, <laughs> So all I was going to say about winter tyres is that having had this sort of salutary lesson in how good they are on a very powerful rear-wheel drive car that should mm. be terrible in the snow, I also realised I have quite a powerful rear-wheel drive car that is terrible in the snow. And last mm. winter, I had to get my Jag moved from one place to another because I was going away, and it was terrifying. It was mm. just so bad that I just gave up. It's unusable in those sort of conditions. And I thought, well, I'll get some winter tyres, and I'm sure many listeners might have had this experience. And you suddenly go... 
Where the bloody hell am I going to keep my summer wheels and tyres? Uh-huh. Mm. And I notice now mm. that some tyre people are we'll offering collect. a storage service. Yeah, and BMW, amongst, yeah. I think some other car makers are doing this yeah. now. BMW definitely doing it. A winter tyre service. You go to your local BMW garage, they put on the winter rims with the winter tyres that you've bought, yeah. and they will store your summer tyres for you for a fee. But at least it takes that aggro mm. of... Because, you know, I, I've got, well, I just stack them it's up in the living room. Idea. I don't have a garage or a shed or anything, so... Great idea, but at the point at which we're recording this programme, not only is there no sign of snow or ice don't or anything outside, that. it's practically balmy. I think we should be getting summer no, tyres. it's cold on. today. Cold. You're feeling your age, aren't you? <laughs> Probably. I don't, but, do you know, it's one of those signs of getting old when you don't just go out and go, oh, it's cold. You go, oh... Cold's getting into my bones. Oh, isn't it? Oh, it's really nippy, nippy. Oh, yeah. But no, I think it's been quite cold. It's quite cold today. But don't say it's going to snow because I need to get around for the next few weeks. If it snows after the 21st of December, knock yourselves out, people. I'm going to be in America. I don't care anymore. Only for a bit, though. Please don't snow while I'm away because then the plane won't be able to land on the way back. I'll just be hoisted by my own smug petard. and gentlemen, I hope that you've been enjoying your in-flight service with Speed Air to California today. I've been looking at the weather conditions ahead of us, and uh, it doesn't look too good, I'm sorry to say. In fact, it looks like we're going to fly straight into a weather front of extreme smugness. Obviously, we don't want to do that. So, this flight has been diverted from Los Angeles, and instead will now be landing in Alaska. And I'm afraid I haven't bothered to fit winter tires to this aircraft. I had nowhere to store them. Does anyone in this room remember anything that happened before this week? My mind's um, rubbish um, these days. Um, Gondwana land separates into different continents. You remember that? Evolution of... Oh, remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, well, you may remember very early on in this season, season, season seven of Gareth Jones on Speed, oh, yeah. I said, right, Korean cars. We're going to do a lot about Korean cars this year. Do you remember that? We said that at some mm. point, yeah. Finally, we have. I've driven two Korean cars in the last few weeks. The Kia Sorento, which I'll talk about another time. But also the Hyundai, or Hyundai, as some people still say, i40 Tourer, which I remember you said to me on the show, you should drive one of those, Gareth. Very much your sort of thing. Because you saw it. I probably did, yeah. You did, yeah. Yeah. You were right. It was your sort of thing. It was very much my sort of thing. Yeah. Very, 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 very much my sort of thing. A sporting estate, although more sporting in style than performance. It's what it's not. 62 time is about 10 point something seconds. Which engine is this? This is the 1.7, and I like that, turbo diesel, 1.7. Well, 1.7? It's well, such... I tell. Well, I was going to say, it's such a 70s or 80s engine size, isn't it? 1.7. Very few people do 1.7s yeah. or ever have, for reasons I don't know. Yeah. There are certain engine capacities that go unloved. 
1725 and Roots Group. Do you remember that sort of Hillman's? Yeah, yeah. 1.5 nice and popular. 1.6 is fairly nice. Okay. 1.6, but there used to be that you would sort of an engine range from somebody like Ford or Vauxhall or BL would go 1100. Well, I think one litre or maybe 1.1. You're right. Yes. And then 1300, 1600, and then probably two litre, maybe 1800. Yeah. If you want to fit in another one, as people like Vauxhall did, just to give that sort of rep hierarchy that they needed in the range. Yeah. And then 1300 or one. 1.3 was usurped by 1.4. 1.4 became the new Where trendy capacity. Yeah. And then 1.2. Lots yeah. of people do 1.2s now. But where does that come from? 1.5, very old fashioned, sort of predates 1600s. Yeah, well, like know. the Riley. Riley oh, yes. Riley, or, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, bizarrely, I saw BMC and, and BL plugged on with their 1500cc maxis and things like that. But what, and Nissan that, did what, them. What was that Toyota we drove? 1.33 was the engine size, wasn't it? Ford do 1.3. Three, don't they? No, Ford do a 1.25. I like that. And so do Kia now. Um, yeah. Which is a cheat, because if you're playing by the rules, 1.25 is 1.3, but yeah. for marketing reasons or whatever, they to, decided to no. To two significant figures, yes, or to one decimal yeah. place. But it um, should still be, because that's you're rounding up. It's the same as Bentley, for years have had that 6.75 litre V8, which they insist on calling that a 6.75 litre, but, you know... Rather than calling it 6.8. For the sake of rounding up. Well, it yeah, when you, well, it makes less difference at that point. When you're talking yeah. about the difference between 6.75 and 6.8 yeah. is <laughs> a lot less than the difference between, you know... Adequate amount. 1.25 and 1.3 yeah. or you know 2.25 2. uh, when you're talking about Toyotas though I'm sure you're thinking of the Yaris and the Verso and things like that have this 1.33 litre engine which is also in the mm. Auris and again I don't know round down it's a 1.3 no one cares about the other the third I do I like that three. do you oh yeah you I like do. the precision I do yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know why they're doing it I don't really understand it it's strange but anyway it's 2.1 there's another one you don't normally get so this Hyundai turns up with its 1.7 very 2.4 wasn't done very much but there was a <laughs> Nissan Laurel I think and then of course Ford brought those new V6s into the score bring back the 2.8 I say 2.8 but the 2.8 got replaced yeah, 2.9, like a very rare capacity. Yeah, Ford. Are they mm. actually some of the Porsche 944s? Were they 2.9? No, uh, there were three no. liters. I know. Yeah, but yeah the, 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 the 968 went up to there was a three liter. Yeah, mm. in the end they ended up it was uh, or yeah, two nine nine eight. I think it was. Wasn't oh, it? Okay. Biggest capacity four, four what, cylinder. What's the capacity of, your of, of recent years? Not counting really uh, old ones. My Fit 500 is eight seven five. Eight seven five. See, that's an old fashioned size. Not Point nine, if you'd like it that way. No, I like eight seven five. I do as well. Uh, and so this Hyundai turns up. This Hyundai. <laughs> And uh, my first reaction, at the risk of sounding like Chris Goffey, was it's a Mondeo estate. It looks very much like a Mondeo estate. It's sort of presence, the angle of the boot, it's sort of stance, everything about it. So I drove it round the corner where there is a Mondeo estate park. And parked it up alongside it. Mm-hmm. They're identical in length and height. There's very little difference. And that was a real surprise. I thought the i40 was going to be a much smaller car. You know, i40. It sounds like, oh, it should be sort of, oh, I don't know, Allegro size, the name i40. If it was an i70. Well, what are you using as the yardstick on this? Well, a four. Because they've given themselves the leeway to it, make um, six I-50, cars that yeah. are bigger or five mm, cars yeah. that are bigger. Yeah. Well, they can make as many cars that are bigger as they want, but of course, what well, they end up with a monster truck, the i twelve eighteen wheeler. But it was ever so nice, yeah. and it's got a lot of sort of. I <clears throat> I'll come down a couple of octaves. Hmm, old tell, old tell is back again. It had a sort of Mercedes 
quality about it in that you know it's keyless entry keyless start and just the but, but, but the quality, I mean, yeah. you, know, you know, because that's, you know, yeah. you know the ticking the boxes is one thing, but did it have that yeah. of the solidity? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. Mm. Yeah. It smelled like a Mercedes. It had a lot of clues why they've loaded this car quite so heavily. I don't know how it compares with the rest of the Hyundai range. I haven't driven any other Hyundais. Have you driven any other Hyundais? Uh, yeah, I've driven all of them except that i40, I think. It's an extraordinary thing. The rest of the range cannot possibly be like this car. They've invested no, they're everything. very good. That's the it's, thing. It's they are genuinely just... I mean, it's almost a damn them with faint praise, but I haven't driven a Hyundai for ages that I haven't thought, well, this is just fine. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Yeah. They're just fine. It's the kind of cars you'd recommend to someone who's not really that into cars, but yeah. if they were a bit into cars, they'd still enjoy them. They're, yeah. they're pleasant cars to drive. The mm. i30, yeah. which is the golf size one, yeah. is perfectly fine. I was trying to persuade my dad to buy one because it's yeah. got a massive warranty and they're quite good value. And Korea's the new Japan. And, yeah. you know, you'd always recommend a Japanese car to well, a friend, exactly, wouldn't you? exactly, that's the thing. And yeah. I borrowed one from Hyundai just to drive it and see what I thought and then took it to show my dad, who liked it, but then went and bought a bloody Peugeot. <laughs> No, and um, so there's quite a few miles in it. And I was just thinking, this is fine. And then it turns out, while no one was looking, early this year they announced the replacement for it. And it's like, this car's only been out for 20 minutes. What are you doing? <laughs> and it's perfectly all right. <laughs> so I think the new one will probably be even more than perfectly all right because they seem to get better and better all the time. There's um, no saloon version of this car. It's coming. Yeah. And it's more of a, almost like a coupe sort of thing But as it's well. interesting to launch with an estate oh, first. I, mean, I like him for that. a statement they're making, but it's an interesting one. It's probably saying, well... You're European and you like estates. Here, have an estate. Yeah. But it strikes me they're not a particularly design-led company. They're not sort of putting Until these things now. out. They're, they're not a style-led company, are they? I mean, it's, 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 it's they've practicality worked out the technical and, like stuff. You say, they've figured out the technical yeah. stuff now. They've, they can do engineering and interior quality mm. as good as European manufacturers. So now the next frontier is, well, let's make the cars look nice. That's right, this i40 estate, I mean, it is a nice-looking car. The next i30 that is coming out, and there are pictures of it online, and it's on sale very soon, that's a nice-looking car as well, nicer-looking than the old one. Mm. They're just, every iteration of every model they do just gets a bit better, and their step change between them is getting way more advanced than the step between Focuses or Golfs with each generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why Ford and VW and Vauxhall and everyone else should be Running scared, Mm. absolutely. If I was... Ford, I'd be terrified because you know how much I love Fords. And mm. if I had a choice between a Mondeo or the Hyundai, I'd really think hard about going for the Hyundai because of the fantastic warranty thing that they do. It wasn't anywhere near as thrifty as it was supposed to be. I got about 35 miles per gallon, although I think I was driving it quickly because it's got great mm. steering. <laughs> it's got the most alive steering since that Renault Sport bloody began I had. It really wants you to play. I don't know if it's electric steering mm. or what. I'll have to read the spec one day, but it was great fun. Violet asked me to slow down because I'd see a random about accelerating to the roundabout. Oh, I'm enjoying this. I really did. I can't wait until they do an MPV version of this on this wheelbase. It's a big, long wheelbase. They could get something to rival the S-Max, I think, if they put their mm-hmm. mind to it. And that would be the car for me, baby. Unless they did a proper shooting. Actually, it's funny you should mention that because here's an example of how ballsy Hyundai are at the moment and how it's do or die. And they're prepared to make some quite interesting decisions to further their aim to be 
huge. They had an MPV coming for the American market. I can't remember what it's called. It was spied on test, covered in bin bags and stuff like that. The rumour was it was supposed to be announced at a motor show quite soon, and they've decided it's not good enough and they've canned it. No, and that's like They've got to the point they've got running prototypes in, wow. in production spec running around. Yeah, they did the same with that more. big saloon that I've driven, the Genesis, the one that you can buy in yeah, America. Yeah, yeah. They had that designed by an unnamed Italian design house. There's some pictures you can find on the internet if you search hard enough of the original design and it was basically bloody awful and quite late in the process they suddenly went do you know what this is awful let's start again and Gosh. they reclothed the car and now it's a bit generic but it's a nice looking car mm. that kind of stuff costs money they probably ordered the tooling and yeah. done all this development yeah. on that body style you've got to re-engineer it and stuff and make sure it all works and fits together and all the rest of it so you know they're spending money to mm. ultimately make more money because they'll be huge and, and the money's on the car as well you know it's got all the parking stuff it's got the rear camera do you feel like you're getting your value for money yeah you really, really, really do. Knocked out. Genuinely knocked out. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Money complaint shouldn't be called an I-40. It makes it sound like a little car. It should be the I-9 billion. That would do it. Shouldn't they? I-9 billion. Really. <laughs> That's a bit too big. Say goodbye, fellas. Goodbye. Goodbye. We'll leave you with a tune. This is in the style of... Uh, do you remember John Fox? You remember John Fox, oh, don't you? Oh, a huge John Fox fan. John Fox was the man who invented... Or, or well... Yeah, he invented Ultravox. Yeah, founder of Ultravox. Yeah. Went on to do some pioneering electronic music of which Gary Newman built his entire career yeah, on. Yeah, very influential. Love uh, John Fox. Very influential. This isn't John Fox, this is me. And a bit of Zog as well, actually. This is yeah. John Vox. See what I did there? This is called... My Car Won't Go.
I want to drive the underpass Overtake the overflow But my car won't go But my car won't go Anywhere I want to go I have all accessories that I need An iPod and connecting lead Car alarm immobilizer A mini move synthesizer But my car won't go Still my car won't go Despite my appearance I'm sure that you'll agree I'm practically a cyber But I'm no good with technology So my car won't go Oh no, my car won't go The icon quote Toya It's a mystery What's the matter with my car? Oh no, what's the matter with me? I have a charge of battery That's why my car won't go I've got the RAC pictures get song lyrics join our facebook fan site or follow us on twitter go to garethjones.tv gareth jones on speed is made in london by whiz bang gareth jones on speed